0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5 as we continue our study through this fascinating book. Today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. The author of the Hebrews is writing to a Jewish audience. He's writing to believers. He's writing to those who have come from the Jewish faith, and they have realized that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the one who died for their sins, and they've trusted in Him alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. And some of them are having trouble letting go of past traditions. Anyone relate to that? You're a Christian, but there are a lot of past traditions, and and they're they're having a hard time letting go. So through the book, the writer tells them, you got to let go of these past traditions. you got to let go of these past rituals. In fact, he shows them that Jesus is, is greater than all these things. Uh, the word better, referring to Jesus, the word more, the word uh, greater, appears a total of 25 times throughout the book of Hebrews. The writer, the writer drives home his point over and over and over again. The theme of Hebrews, Jesus is what? He's greater than. He is absolutely supreme. Now granted, in this book, there are some challenging things to understand. We looked last time. We looked at this aspect of uh, of Jesus being after the order of Melchizedek, this this king that the the Jewish readers would have known about in the Old Testament, uh, Genesis chapter fourteen. He's introduced with Abraham, and then uh, Psalm uh, one ten. He he is talked about there, and, and he's ta- he's going to tell us how how Jesus compares to this Melchizedek, and, and, and that's a challenging, it's a, it's a meaty truth that he wants to explain to his readers. And the next time, we're going to look at uh, one of the most difficult passages in all of Scripture. In, in chapter 6, commentators go over and over and over this thing. We'll talk about it next week. But today's passage, chapter 5, 11 through 14, could not be more clear. It couldn't be more straightforward. It, uh, it is hard-hitting. It is convicting. And it is straight to the point. Fathers, I promise I did not choose this for Father's Day. I know some of you think I always do that. But I didn't. This just comes right in line. And many today will have a hard time accepting it and acting upon it. F.F. F. Bruce, the great theologian, said this, the, the, the intellect is not overready to entertain an idea that the heart found, finds unpalatable. The intellect is not overready to entertain an idea that the heart finds unpalatable. Said another way, Our minds don't want to consider the things our hearts do not desire. If we don't desire it, then we don't want to think about it. And our passage today is about a heart's desire, it's an important one. Let me pray, and then I want to read through the passage, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. Father, We uh, sometimes, Lord, we are in need of, of, of great challenge. We do not want to be go along to get along Christians. We don't want to find ourselves at the same level of our spiritual experience next month as last month. Your word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and sometimes it hits us right between the eyes. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would do that today. Where the shoe fits, help us to wear it. Where your spirit convicts, help us to accept that. And help us, Father, to be those who are not only hearers of your word, but actually those who put it into practice be with us Lord we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 through 14, let me read through them and then we'll look at each one. The writer says, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, distinguished to distinguish good from evil. All right, let's go through these uh, these verses. The writer says, about this, we have much to say. What's he talking about there? What's about this? Well, remember, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, he told us this this comparison with Jesus and this Old Testament king and priest called Melchizedek. And he said, Jesus is a, a priest and king after the order of Melchizedek. He says, about that, I've got a lot to say. And he's going to do that. In chapter 7, he starts telling us about this comparison. Got a lot to say about that. And he says, it's hard to explain. It's meaty. It's weighty. It has some teeth to it. It's not, it's not the basic stuff. You've got to go a little deeper here. But it's hard to explain to some of you who are reading this, the writer is saying, because you have become what? You have become dull of hearing. You are dull of hearing. I'm sure that went over well to the readers, right? Especially when we understand what dull of hearing means in the Greek. In the Greek, the word means slacker, lazy. In Hebrews, it's only used in, in Hebrews one at a time. It's used in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. It's translated sluggish. The word literally means no push, no effort, no passion, no desire. The NIV translates it like this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer even try understand. You're on sidelines spiritually. You're out of the game. And the writer is saying it's not that you can't grasp it. It's not that you can't understand it. You got here. That's not the issue. The issue is here. You don't, you don't want to understand it. You don't want to accept it. You don't want learn it, to learn it. You don't want to apply God's Word. You really don't want to to grow spiritually. He is saying to his readers here, you are slackers. You've lost the game. see, our minds will not consider the things our hearts do not desire. Now, you've got to think about those readers. 60 to 70 A.D., Nero is king. The guy was insane. And he's going to bring persecution. And so they would say, hey, time out. What are you talking about? I come to church. I, I come, and I, and I'm, I participate, in, and, and, I, and I'm in danger of persecution. Don't tell me I'm lazy. Don't tell me I'm a slacker. And he looks right back at him and says, you are lazy. You're a slacker. Persecution's coming. Yeah, and you got to get ready for it. You've got to be ready. You've got to do today the things you need to do to get prepared for the things tomorrow. If you don't, you're not going to be ready for the persecution. You're going to be one of those who jettisons of faith. You're going to be one of those who runs. You're going to be one of those who recants. You've got to be ready for what's coming. And that starts today. The prophet Jeremiah had the same concerns for some people in his day. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10, people who... People who neglected God's word. Jeremiah said, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will even listen? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. And why is it offensive? Because they, they find no pleasure in it. Again, the mind found, finds unpalatable what the heart doesn't want doesn't to do. Now contrast... What the writer is saying about these individuals being dull of hearing with what Paul writes to the Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Here's what Paul says, and we also thank God concerning uh, constantly uh, for this, that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you. Look at the difference. Slackers and then the Thessalonians. Here were people who said, "You know what? This is man. This isn't just the op-ed column in the in, in the daily out, uh, broadcast, right? So This is some new digital news outlet. This is God's word. I got to take it seriously. I got to be in it. I got to be reading it. I got to know what He tells me. And not only do I not only did the Thessalonians read it. That's one part." But then they accepted it. Hey, this really is God's word. This really is what he says. And then what, they, what did they do? They acted on it, which is at work in you believers. They actually did something about God's word. But those who were receiving the letter to the Hebrews, they were not like the Thessalonians. They were too busy. I mean, The penguins had just won the cup. Some celebrations. Pirates are coming back. And fantasy football's right around the corner. We can fill up a guys, we can fill up a room for fantasy football drafts. Isn't that amazing? The writer calls them lazy. Slackers. You don't even try to understand. Dull of hearing, no push, spiritually sluggish. So let me ask you a question. You can, only you can answer it. Well, I mean, only you can answer it and all those in your life who know you. Are you sitting with the group of Thessalonians who say, man, I'm in this thing because it's just not Word of Men, it's the Word of God. <laughs> I'm going to read it, I'm going to accept it, and I'm going to apply it. Are you a Thessalonican or are you in that Hebrew group, slacker, lazy, dull, of hearing, Pretty strong words, aren't they, from the writer to that group in Hebrews, so he better be able to back it up. So that's what he's going to do now. He's going to back it up and justify what he said, and he's going to tell them, I'm warning you of this. I'm telling you this because there's something at stake here. It's urgent. It's eternal. It's important. You see, the dull of hearing is the cause. The effect is you're putting yourself in danger, personal danger. And when you're a father, you're not just putting yourself in personal danger. What are you doing? Putting your whole family in, in danger. There's collateral damage. When you're a spiritual slacker, you, you are in a, you're in a dangerous spiritual stretch, and your laziness causes others to be in a dangerous spiritual stretch with you. If you're driving a car and you're dozing, you're not only putting yourself at risk, you're putting everyone in the car at risk. That's what the writer's saying, man. This is, just, this is too critical. There's too much at stake here. Verse 12. For though by this time, by this, for though by this time, so he's not talking to new believers. You're a new believer here today, man. Go in the Psalms and start reading some, reading some stuff. This is this is not for you. you, you you're gonna grow. We're gonna get you involved in something. You're excited. You're the most excited people here. This new life in Christ, and you're excited about it. We're gonna get you involved in Living Ground and we're gonna get you involved in discipleship. Man, you're gonna go. This verse is not applied to you. This verse is applied to those who have been Christians for a time. For by this time, for by this time, the writer says, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be the ones sharing the message of Christ. You ought to be the one taking people through living grounded. You ought to be the one teaching the core group. You ought to be the one leading the huddle group. You ought to be the one leading the spiritual way. By this time, you've been around long enough. You know the stuff. You have no excuses. Holy Spirit lives within you. You got all the resources. By this time, you ought to be the teachers. (sighs) But you need someone else to regurgitate the food for you. You need someone else to teach you the basic oracles of the word of God. You ought to be the teachers. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me, uh, Paul says, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to what? Teach others. That's the plan, right? I teach you, and you teach someone else, and then they teach someone else, and then they teach someone else. That's the deal. Not I get it, I word it, but I teach it. So fathers, you should be passing, you, you should be at the point where you're passing the spiritual truth on to your children. How are your children doing spiritually? If you say, not sure, that's eh, a little red flag. How are your kids doing spiritually? By the way, dads, how in the, how in the heck are your sons How are they going to know what a godly man is like unless you stand up and be a godly man? How are your daughters going to know what a godly man looks like for them to marry unless you stand up and be a godly man? You can't delegate that stuff. God has given you that great gift and the ability to share spiritual truth and back it up with your actions. That's just spiritual maturity. You don't have you don't have to do a touchdown dance for that, guys. That's just what you're supposed to do. That's what God has put you here to do. Some of the recipients of the letter, they couldn't even share the basics. They'd been, they, they had been Christians a long time. They just couldn't share the basics. And the writer's saying, you have no excuse. You're spiritually lazy. You're a slacker. Let me show you a passage that drives home this point. Galatians chapter 4 uh, verse 3. So Paul's writing to the Galatians and he says, "...in the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world." Okay, so when we were children, when we were just getting started, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And then he goes on to say, but Jesus came. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave. You're no longer enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Okay, got it? Now look at verse 9. But now that you come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you go back to that? How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Paul says, seriously? That was for children. The elementary principles of the world, that was for children. But you've been redeemed. You've been restored. You've been justified. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You trusted in Christ. You're a new creation. Seriously, you want to go back to the basic elementary principles of the world? You see, when you fail to grasp the basics of the faith, you fall to a base level living of the world. When you fail to embrace the foundational principles of God's word, you live according to the worthless elementary principles of the world. It's just the way it works. You're going to live by some principles. Are they going to be God's or the world's? Chapter 5, verse 12. For by this time you had to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you, you need, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. You need milk. You've, you've, you've regressed. You need baby food. You need it in the blender. You choke on anything of substance. If you were a baseball player, you'd have to go back and play T-ball. If you were a skier... Someone will help to, have to help you put your boots on and take you to the bunny slopes. If you were a football player, you'd have to play for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Back to the Bible's aired in Cleveland, and so that gets cut, all right? <laughs> I didn't think that was that funny, but some of you thought that was more funny than me. The writer says, you are unskilled in the word of righteousness. And he's taking some shots, isn't he? The word unskilled means to be inexperienced in something or unacquainted with something. It describes a lack of knowledge or capacity to do something. The phrase word of righteousness explains Describes the gospel, but not just the gospel, being able to share the gospel and being able to live out the gospel. You are unskilled in being able to explain it. You, 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 have, you have allowed yourself to be inexperienced in sharing the most important message in time and eternity, and you are not allowing yourself to be capable of of living out the most important message of time and eternity. So here's the bottom line. By this time, you're going to be way further along. You have not even grown. You're a spiritual infant. You've been a Christian for a long time, and you can't handle solid food. You still choke on solid food. Spiritually speaking, you are sucking milk. You can't handle meat. You're on the bottle. You can't handle beef. Uh, When our first daughter, our first child, Brittany, was born, man, we were so excited, and our whole family was excited, and we couldn't wait, and every stage was cool, and we couldn't wait until she started talking. And so, uh, you know, we feed these words to her, and we thought, she would say, you know, Mama or Dada or whatever first. But that'd be cool. So her first word was the word trash. Trash. <laughs> it's a little disappointing, but anyway, it was exciting, right? Because she said trash, and we called up the grandparents and said, "Brittany's talking. I what she say? Trash?" But it's cool. She's talking. She said a word. We were so excited. Now what if, what if when she was three that was still the only word she was saying? What if she was five and that was still the only word she could say? The, 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 the excitement at the beginning would now tell us Something's, something's not right. Something's not developing right. And what brought great excitement w- w- would now bring great concern, right? So if you're a believer and you've been around a while and you're still saying the spiritual equivalent of trash, one word, that's concerning. Development's not happening. Something's got to to change. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Solid food is for the mature. That word means a grown-up, a grown person. For those who have had their powers of discernment, their their perception, their, their capability to understand things, for those who have had it trained, check this out, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I love that word train. It's the word gunazo. We get the word gymnasium from it. And when Paul uses it and when this writer uses it, he's causing his readers to go back to the gym. And in the gym they would see the gymnasium of that day. They would see these athletes come and they would see these athletes train every day. Day in, day out, training for the Olympic events, training for the the races, training for the the wrestling matches. They would train every day, gumnazo. They would train by constant practice, constant practice. They're no longer a child. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, reasoned as a child, thought as a child, but when I became a man, what did I do? I didn't act like a kid anymore. These writers say saying it's time to start growing up. Constant practice. By the way, guys, Christian life doesn't happen in one, in one spurt or one explosion. You, cannot, you can't go get a book that says five easy ways to really crank it up in your spiritual life. It comes through training in constant practice. How can Ben Roethlisberger drop back throw the ball without any receiver being there, and by the time the ball gets there, the receiver has turned around and catches the ball. How can that happen? Because they do it over and over and over and over and over and over. Constant practice. What if Tomlin got up for a press conference and say, I know we lost today. <laughs> I know, it was pretty ugly, wasn't it? But we, you know what? We just did not have time to practice this week. The guys had some commercials to shoot, and uh, man, we're tired. You know, we just had that long road trip, and then we're back. We just didn't practice this week. How long would he last as a coach? So, what if you get up in your press conference before God and say, "You know what? I was really busy." <laughs> I I just didn't have the time and my job and everything. just couldn't get it done. Constant practice, constantly putting in, trained by constant practice. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit working in us, but it's that constant practice. It's those things. The old writers used to call this mortifying the flesh. When you have a temptation and you give in to it, you're feeding the temptation. When you have a temptation and by, by constant practice, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not even going to look at that because that's going to make me want to look at that. Mortifying the flesh. And that temptation never goes away, but it becomes duller and duller, constant practice. That's how Roethlisberger can throw a ball when there's no one there, and by the time it gets there, someone is there. And that's how a believer can live a life that pleases God and make an impact in his or her world. Constant practice. When you do that, then you can distinguish good from evil. I believe the writer here is talking about two things, moral good from evil and theological truth from error. It amazes me when someone who's been a Christian a long time comes and says, man, I've been listening to this guy, and they name the person, and I think, my goodness, you've been sitting here for this long, and you're still listening to people like that? The writer says we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. All right, since it's Father's Day, let's close with some Father's Day applications. This passage by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't write this, right? <laughs> this comes from God. This passage says some believers are spiritually lazy. If the shoe fits, then wear it. And do something about it. If you're not in God's word at least four times a week, you are putting yourself... In spiritual danger. If you're not applying God's word, you're putting yourself in spiritual danger. If you're clicking a porn site all the time, my goodness, you're putting yourself in spiritual danger. You're being spiritually lazy, you're being spiritually undisciplined, and it's not just you dozing at the wheel, it's everyone in the car. When are you gonna do something about it? I can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Other guys can't do it for you. They can just challenge you to do it. You got to man up and you got to say, I'm going to be the man God has called me to be. And that's just not a word I say. That's constant practice. I've got to do something. Just like I work out, I've got to work out spiritually. This passage says that some believers are wasting their gifts. Guys. Some of you need to be teachers. You need to be the ones leading the huddle group, not in it for the 14th year in a row. You need to be the ones leading the core group, not sitting there again. You need to be the ones mentoring younger guys. You need to be the ones. You need to be the ones taking someone through living grounded. I, 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 someone, someone came to me the other day and they said, I'm leading a core group. I said, man, that's fantastic who's in it. And they named off four couples. Four couples who've been around a long time who should be leading a group. Man, well, this isn't the Golden State Warriors. We can't, we can't stack our teams, right? We can't stack our core groups. They should have been leading the groups, and they're sitting in the groups. We got guys in huddle groups who would just stay in the huddle. they say, oh, I'm in a huddle group. So i not talking talk about this. I'm in a huddle group. Okay, lead one. No, I don't want to lead one. I want to use your gift another. No, I'm not going to do that. So you know what we're going to do? Penalty flag. <laughs> Throwing the flag. It's ridiculous. You get in a huddle, you get a delay of game. You, the huddle is the call to call the play. And what do you do after the huddle? You break the huddle to go run the play. This passage talks about being disciplined, and and a lot of Christians are selectively disciplined. They'll pick out one thing and they'll harp on that. Man, that's all. they're, They're about that. They're about giving. Boy, it's about giving. Everybody should be giving. But then they're not reading the Word. That's nah, about serving. Everybody should be serving. Then they're looking at pornography. So I run, I, run, uh, I run six days a week. I burn about between 500 and 600 calories when I run. And I can still gain weight. I can, I can bad eat my exercise. So I was at a graduation party last night big old piece of cheesecake, man, it was good. I looked up 400 calories. That was my run. Big old scoop of ice cream. You know how much a scoop of ice cream is? 200 calories. That's bad enough, just one scoop, but I never stop at one scoop. I out-eat I out- my exercise. And there are some people they're so disciplined in one area, but they're sucking a bottle in another area. They're out sinning. <laughs> I don't know if you can do this. They're out sinning their obedience. They're, 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 they're out they're they their, their exercise spiritually. Sad picture, isn't it? A man in a big home, Nice car, retirement, great retirement, fantastic job, sitting at home with his family, sucking on a spiritual bottle. tragic, is tragic. That's it? a tragic picture. This past Tuesday, Uber. You guys heard of Uber, right? Uber employees called a all hands on meeting. Their company's headquarters in San Francisco. In February, a female employee, an engineer in the company, wrote this exposé describing a workplace plagued by sexism and mismanagement. The exposé led Uber to hire an outside firm to check out their company, what was going on. Many uh, of the issues were the result of the tone set by who? The leader, the founder and leader. CEO Travis Kalanick, forty-year-old man who ran uh, his his company, but uh, but never but never grew up. His 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 moral flexibility—that's the new word—be moral flex, be morally flexible, and moral flexibility, hubris, and the raunchy culture that he created was in danger of damaging a company that has grown to a global powerhouse of $70 billion, $70 billion. He's making money hand over fist, and he's running his company like a fraternity house. As a result, Kalanick will be taking a leave of absence, the board told him, of an undetermined length and will eventually return in a diminished mode. Man, I hate to apply that to fathers, right? You have to take a leave of absence, and then you have to return in a diminished role. In a message to the firm's 14,000 workers, he wrote this, if we're going to work on Uber 2.0, I also need to work on Travis 2.0. You know what he's saying? I got to grow up. Stephen Beck, founder of a consulting firm, EG42, summed up the character flaws and problems with Uber this way. Run fast, break things, we can pick up the pieces later, is okay. Until what? It's not okay. Men, fathers, running fast, breaking things, picking up the pieces later, man, that's never okay. Okay when you're following Jesus Christ and when he's given you a family. And the danger of living an immature Christian life will catch up with you. Running fast, breaking things, picking up pieces later is never okay as a follower of Jesus. Never okay. Ton Shilkin leads our men's ministry. And Tunch is going to come up and pray for us, and we are going to ask, if you're serious about stepping up the game, we're going to ask every man in here to come on up front, and Tunch is going to pray for us. Come on up. My brothers, come on up. We're going to lock arms, and we are going to pray.
1: The challenge has been issued. The flag has been thrown, and uh, in my 14 years with the Steelers, believe it or not, I actually had a couple of those thrown on me, but... When you get one thrown on you, you go back to the huddle, and you lock arms, and you vow you're not going to make that mistake again. And as men, we have been challenged today, come on in tight, let's lock arms as we start this prayer. I just want to say this, listen, one of the ways that, uh, uh, that we come out of our doldrums is with other men. And if you're not in a Bible study or a huddle group uh, or in a mentoring relationship, in an old pro relationship, man, you need to get connected, and, and, and that's my job. I would love to get you connected into one of our Bible studies. And by the way, we have Bible studies every day of the week, so there's no excuses for not time. And, you know, uh, as Ron challenges us, you know, men love challenges. We love challenges in sports. We love challenges in work. The question is, do we accept this challenge spiritually, to grow up, to man up, and leave the childish ways behind us, because God has so much more for us than we have for ourselves. So as we uh, spend this time in prayer together, uh, let's think about the way we have all been challenged today. Let's lock our arms and pray. Father, you're an awesome God, and, and uh, in our heart of hearts, we know this, that we are nothing without you, and we praise your holy name. We thank you for the cross of Christ, that you make us right because of the death you died and the price you paid for us 2,000 years ago. So, Lord, as, uh, as we come and lock arms in prayer and in fellowship, Lord, let us, let us always remember that price and let that inspire us that when we feel lazy, And we feel like not reading the word or not getting involved with other men or leading our family or being the husband that you have called us to be. Let us think of the sacrifice that you paid on that cross, that you did it for us. So, Lord, cause us to burn with passion for you. Cause us, Lord, not to be passive, not to go along to get along. Cause us to to be men that have a fire for you, Lord. Lord, let us not be content with the ordinary. Lord, cause us not to be passive. Cause us to reject passivity, to accept responsibility. And cause us to lead courageously, Lord. And so as we leave here today, Lord, let us not be the same. Lord, as Ron has challenged us, Lord, we need to be teachers. We need to be mentors. We need to be leading. Lord, cause us to be leaders. Cause us not to abdicate that role. Cause us to be on fire, Lord. Cause us to burn up with passion for you, Lord. So I thank you for my brothers today, Lord. I pray that you would bless each and every man here. And Lord, this is the kind of men that we want to be. We want to be men that follow you closely. We want to be men that love you deeply. And we want to be men that know you intimately. Lord, we want to be the husbands, the fathers, the sons, the friends, the brothers. Lord, that bring all glory unto you, Lord. Let us not step back from that responsibility, Lord. Lord, cause us to be the men you want us to be. Let us be God's men. And so, Lord, as we take this time and we close in prayer, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And I thank you for my brothers, Lord. I just pray a special blessing on each and every one of them today, and their families, Lord. And once again, we thank you for being in our presence today, Lord, and continue to light that fire. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all the mighty men of God said, Amen.